Welcome to Views and Voice Above the Noise, the podcast hosted by MASA, Minnesota Association of School Administrators. I am Jane Sigford, the convener of the podcast. Today, the topic is how one region has developed a multi-pronged approach to dealing with mental health issues in their area schools. The plan was developed over time by assessing the needs, by using information and resources from multiple agencies, including mental health services, law enforcement, medical resources, and schools, and then creating ways to address the issues. I interviewed Denise Pontrelli from the Stillwater Area Public Schools to hear about this comprehensive plan. Stillwater is a town of over 19,000 located in the northeast corner of the Minneapolis-St. Paul metropolitan area. The district may be the home to the first schoolhouse in Minnesota. Currently, there are 8,400 students. The district hosts seven elementaries, two middle schools, one high school, and an alternative learning center. The district lies along the St. Croix River, only a bridge away from our Wisconsin neighbor. Curiosity, partnerships, community, leadership, and personalized are words used by a team of community members and staff to redefine education in the Stillwater area public schools. Denise Pontrelli has been superintendent for four years. She has worked as a teacher, principal, district office personnel in schools in the Northeast area. She lives and has strong roots in the area. One of the components is a partnership of Stillwater area schools in North St. Paul, Maplewood, Oakdale schools and youth services who formed a partnership to provide a program at the middle schools to address mental health needs. This is only one facet of the multi-agency, multi-pronged approach that you will hear about. Throughout the interview, you will hear Denise describe the process by which the involved concerned parents, multiple agencies, community resources, health services, and law enforcement to develop this plan. An interested group of people from those many walks of life analyzed the needs of the community and decided ways to address those needs Part of the plan is also to incorporate resources and information for parents. As Denise said, it's pretty exciting. This comprehensive approach was developed with a lot of input. The plan is very representative of what attracted Denise to the district in the first place. I've lived on the east side of St. Paul most of my life, and then my kids all went to Montemunite schools, and so I was very familiar with Stillwater. I really, you know, when I looked at Stillwater, um, what appealed to me is that they're really focused on um, kind of that whole child experience, the academics, athletics, and activities for our kids. Really some entrepreneurial teachers who were really... I think doing good work with kids. So that was one of the things that attracted me here. Stillwater Schools has worked with many agencies and community members over the past year to assess the needs and create a multi-pronged approach to supporting their students. Denise describes the process they went through. Where the mental health piece started, you know, so much of what people are talking about now, but actually, as part of the whole bond process, our Pony Activity Center now is open to the community. So it's this gorgeous facility where we have gyms down below and we have seniors coming in and playing pickleball and they're walking the, the track up above and lifting and the weight room, all those kind of things. So anyway, when we knew that was going to happen, we wanted our schools to be open more to our community and this concept of community schools and communities involved and in their schools, they're supportive. 
Annette Selman is my community ed director, and Kristen Hoheisel is in charge of facilities, and I asked them to start looking at the physical aspect of safety for our schools because we're going to be open more. What what would happen when we weren't here and they were open at night and, you know, how are we going to deal with those? So we started just with the basics about looking at the physical plants, looking at what things we needed to do with security and training of our staff and, you know, how we could have them open. Unfortunately, then in May, we had a student who died by suicide and Stillwater's had a few and I know other places have also. And the community just said, you know, what's happening? Why, what are we doing? We have to do something differently because it's, you know, our kids are struggling. In an effort to think about how we might do something differently, because I knew our resources were limited within the school district, I reached out to Gary Kriesel and one of our board members, Jen Pelletier. Jen and, and Gary have a, a relationship and talked to them about how could we start partnering differently with the Washington County and with private providers and then organizations like Youth Services Bureau and Family Means, which are local providers here who have always, we've been for many years, had strong partnerships with them. But everybody was very siloed. And then Lakeview Hospital is also a huge partner. So we brought everybody together and said, you know, this is something that is a concern in our community and we can only solve it as a community. So what should we do? And we brought 80 people together. The first time it was you know, people shared their stories, what was working in schools and what wasn't, mostly what wasn't. Really heartbreaking stories of children who had had mental health concerns and we weren't able to address them as well as they liked or felt we, you know, needed to. So we, the first night was just kind of people telling stories and getting to know each other. The next session we got together, we shared what the school district was doing because there are a number of things that we started when I first came here. The whole social-emotional whole child thing has always been big for me. And one of my directors, Rachel Larson, had started doing some work. We said, all right, we're going to really focus on this from elementary on up and look at what we're doing systems-wide, and we're going to look at sustainability so it doesn't go away. There were many people who came to that meeting whose students had graduated in the past and hadn't had those supports. We wanted them to be able to see that we'd already made some changes. We went through and had our leaders share um, what was different, what we were expecting for our kids would be different, and the experiences that we hoped would be different for them. Then we also had private providers share how they could support families, and Washington County also shared how they were supporting and partnering with us and could support. So it really has um, opened up doors, I think, and eliminated some of the overlap. Where was law enforcement in this discussion? Were they part of it? Um, they were part of through Washington County. Washington okay. County Sheriff's Office has been partnering with okay. us also. We saw this whole, the kind of safety and security of our kids and our, our teachers and families, we saw as the umbrella. And we look at it as three kind of parts under it. One is the mental health and well-being of students and staff and families. Another is kind of that safety, the physical space, you know, are our buildings safe as we can afford to have them or have them. And then the third part is that kind of incident command. If, if something would happen, are we prepared? Have we gone through training? So those are the three big things that we've been working on. After we did that, then we had a session where all of these community members came together and they started talking about priorities because we can't do everything, right? So what are we going to start with? What are the highest priorities? Uh, Lakeville Hospital brought in their community health assessment and shared the information they had. Washington County brought in their information just about, you know, what were the things that we were all seeing. 
identified six projects eventually. That work took until this last spring. So it was a, it was a year long of you know, getting to know each other, learning, learning what the district and others were doing, identifying priorities and projects, and now they are all underway. So we have six different projects that we're working on in partnership with private providers, the organizations like Youth Services Bureau and Family Means who are supportive of us, Washington County Sheriff's Office and Public Health, the school district. Those are, some of them need to be implemented internally, but many of them are supports like you heard with the grant with Andy for Oakland Middle School. We actually have quite a few providers that are, were supported by through Youth Services Bureau and Family Means. Family Means staffs and now Youth Services Bureau is up there also, our wellness center at the high school. And so we have a place for students to be able to go when they are experiencing stress or you know, family concerns that they can have chemical health support or if it's you know of a family nature and divorce or friendships or those kind of things. Their first several visits are just to kind of see where kids are and then if they need more in-depth help then they have more opportunities through Youth Services Bureau or Family Means in the evenings or weekends or whatever they might need. Is the Wellness Center apart from the Guidance Services? Yes, then? it's different. Yeah, it's, it's its own kind of little hub there of support for kids. And so when we look at the six projects, and I'm going to see if I can remember them off the top of my head, one of them that I think has a lot of promise is this notion of kind of peer-to-peer -peer counseling. And you probably are familiar with that. We actually have Mike Call, who's a teacher in our district who works also with Hazelden and mm -hmm. others and does the training, program training that um, happens where the peer-to-peer conversations, uh, a teacher comes in and, and they teach and train and coach students who are interested how to be receptive when their peers come in. And it could be something about talking about organization or breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, the whole gamut. And then when to make sure that they pass them on to more in-depth care if they need it. So that's one of the things that we're working on at the high school. Another is um, a parent who lost her child was very much interested in having kind of a home communication type of medium somehow. Her experience was that she knew we were teaching some of the things about health and self-care and depression, those kind of things. But she said, when students are at the middle school or early high school level, they aren't going to talk to you about that. They aren't going to talk to you about substance abuse. They aren't. So she's working on a communication that'll go to parents and say, basically, here's what our teachers are doing here's the questions you should be asking. It's not just, how did your day go? Or, you know, I hear you're working on this, or you're learning about chemical health or whatever. It's really some deep questions to understand more about kids and understand how they're feeling about a topic area and that kind of thing. Her husband is a pediatrician, and they're very, you know, supportive of that. So that's another example of one of the projects going on. Third is that we have so many different organizations, but nobody knows what else each other is doing. So um, they're putting together a resource book that'll be online for our families about who does what, how to call, how to have emergency help, that kind of thing. It was just in the news that Washington County has put together and funded a crisis kind of response team. You know, now our students have and families have access to that, which is very helpful. 
Washington County has come in and they're doing, they're looking at the physical piece with us of all of our buildings to make sure they're as safe as they can be and going through kind of tabletop exercises with our staff about, okay, if something's happening. Down to, we're going to be doing in November where they'll come in and give us a an incident that happened, like here's what's happening right now, how are you going to respond? And so those tabletop exercises, just to get us more ready for that and have that kind of real-life case study scenario. And then we're actually next summer going to do it in our buildings. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to hit all aspects of the safety and security. When working among agencies in areas of school violence, students in crisis, and so on, it is sometimes difficult to share information in a timely fashion because of data privacy laws. Would it be helpful if somehow these laws could be made more porous to share information among appropriate interested parties. You know, it's just like anything else, right? When you have the silos and you don't have communication, you waste time, you may waste resources, you don't get the support to the student maybe as quickly as you'd like to. We've been fortunate, though, our SRO officers who work within the building work closely with their police departments, and we have several here that we work with. Washington County has also been very supportive of us we know that we're all working for the same thing, right, for the student and the child. And so if there's something that we need to know or there's an imminent danger, then they will let us know. But I would agree that that's an area where the legislature for sure could do some things to help free that communication up in these instances when there's student safety involved, that kind of thing. It would be really helpful. Another facet of addressing incidents of violence is the current interest in de-escalation training. There have been news reports of police officers receiving this training and also about professionals who offer this type of training to other organizations. Has your staff and your police officers received this type of training? Our staff have, our staff have, but I don't know about the police officers. Your community has done a lot of work to make sure that students feel safe and to provide ways for them to help deal with issues. One would assume it's because you have seen changes that need to be addressed. Is that true? Oh, I think for sure. You know, I don't know. And most of this is self-reported by parents and students. And we also look at our Minnesota Student Survey. We have a student engagement survey that talks about how kids, if they feel safe and, and secure and those kind of things. And when you look at that, more students are reporting. And it's natural when you see all the things on TV that they're concerned about safety. There's a higher level of anxiety. I think some of the anxiety is really is really exasperated by social media. So we're looking actually at a cell phone policy that limits kids can be using technology if it's an instructional piece, and but if not, they're put away. And we just find that some of the bullying and, and substance abuse and all those kind of things, it seems that social media enhances that, makes it easier, puts more pressure and stress on kids. So those are all things that we see are increasing. And that's why we feel it's so important to have a team at each school. And then other systemic things put in place to help support kids, to help them hopefully not choose some of those. And if kids really feel engaged at school and they're happy, they know that they have an adult who cares about them and they have friends, kids do pretty well. But when they are struggling with things at home or not feeling like they're valued or, you know, not having friends, bullied, those kind of things, that's when things start to get rough. And so having the supports in place, we really looked at not only those teams that I told you but about, but really the culture of the buildings. With the web for our middle schools where everybody belongs, that's a sixth grade. When the sixth graders come in, they are mentored by the seventh and eighth graders. And 
they talk about creating a culture of belonging and you know if you see someone who's sitting alone you go and sit by them you know how do we reach out and make it a really welcoming community for everyone and also at the high school um, because we're such a large high school not only the link which is a similar program to web but they have a smaller learning communities where the kids are together with uh, same teachers and same classmates for English social studies and science. The Star Tribune had an article about the partnership you have with North St. Paul Maplewood Oakdale schools and youth services to provide mental health services in the schools You've talked earlier about the value of partnerships and how differing voices provide richer products. How did your partnership come about? You know, North St. Paul, what we're trying to partner um, and have been in many ways with North St. Paul and with South Washington. I think all of us um, are finding that we have fewer resources and being able to team together and say, how might we do this differently? How do we learn about our families and what their needs are differently? We've been doing a lot of work with North St. Paul and South Washington on equity work and just Mm -hmm. what are the needs of our families? Are we addressing them? Um, What are the barriers that they see that we may not, you know, through our bias, not be aware of? So Christine Osario and Keith Jacobus have really said, what can we do differently? We've partnered on a number of things, gone over to see what North St. Paul's doing. They come over here. We've gone over to South Washington, and they come over here. And so I think there's a fairly nice partnership between us. How did you decide to do 6th and 7th graders? Well, I think the thought is for Oakland is just as students are coming in, if they get that support right away, that then, you know, like with most of our students, if we catch them earlier and we build that relationship and they know that they have somebody that they can talk to and help them through, it just has longer lasting effect. Partnerships are very important, yet the partnerships in one area may look and act differently than a partnership in another area because the needs and culture of the areas are unique. Everybody has unique needs. I just don't think school districts can survive without the partnership of the community and and do things really well. And so it takes more time. You know, it takes time to get everybody on board and talk about, all right, what's our purpose? What are we trying to achieve? How are we going to do it? Um, what What are barriers and what are things that maybe we can or can't do? You know, I had a parent say, well, if you just drug test all the kids as they come in the door, I'm like, well, that's one way, but it's not the way we're going to be able to, you know, make a difference for this for kids. So I I do think that collaboration is really important. And we are really fortunate here in Stillwater because it's a very, um, the community really does support the schools. And so we're, we're lucky to have those pieces in place. And Youth Services Bureau, who is working with Andy on that piece has been very supportive in what do you need. As I said, Family Means has the the wellness center over at the high school. Same thing. How can we help? Family Means also gave us extra counseling last year, and we also are working with 916 in Hazleton. And so we have one full day of a counselor from Hazleton coming to the high school to help support kids just as a needed support. And so that was something that we've just started this spring came over and met with Rob Bach, our high school principal, to talk about what systems they could put in place so they'd have more of a drop-in type of things for students that might need extra support. So, Will your group continue to meet this year, and what do you think will happen? I think this will be a continued community collaboration that we'll have. I don't see it stopping at the end of the year. I think that just the focus will be 
all right, if we feel like we've addressed this, then what do we have? What ev evidence do we have that we've tackled this and had success? And then what should our next thing be? Because there's definitely, when our community came together, there were a lot of concerns. And instead of being, you know, a mile wide and an inch thick, we really decided to take just a few things and dig into them that would have the most impact for our students right away. The people around the table thought educating our parents with the Bridges to Wellness, getting more support for our kids if they need a drop-in place or a place to have the support they need, and then sharing of resources so families who are struggling know that there's a place that they can come and look and have somebody to talk to to help them kind of figure out what pathway. Because many families, when they find themselves in that place where boy, I need some help, I can't handle this anymore as a parent or uh, uh, for my child or, or individually as parents, then, you know, you aren't necessarily in the mindset, well, gee, I'm just going to sit down and Google around and try, you know, you, you need something kind of quick and fast when you're under that kind of pressure, so... I'm excited about the possibilities because we really have some passionate people who are working on this and helping support who are outside of the school district. So that makes a, a big difference, I feel. Some of the things today that I just shared with you this morning about the Ready, Set, Go conferences throughout K-5, paying special attention to that relationship building with our 6th graders and ninth graders, have responsive classroom, K-5, developmental designs, middle school, and now the link program at the high school so we have a k-12 kind of comprehensive social emotional learning platform that many places have not been able to do and we've really invested a lot of money in training our staff and giving them the skills and we also have um, an educational foundation called the partnership plan here in Stillwater who has been very supportive and so they paid for the web training for our staff to go because we said, you know, we want to have sustainability with this. And what is WIP? Um, where everybody belongs. And it's through, I believe, I want to say Youth Frontiers. Now we just, I was at a partnership plan meeting last night, and they are supporting, it's now called Move Mindfully, but it used to be Yoga Calm. Kathy Flaminio is uh, an expert in uh, yoga, and she's been working with our Lake Elmo students and staff. And they have had phenomenal results with helping kids refocus and just calm themselves. It's just been amazing what our teachers came and shared with us last night. And so the partnership plan now has agreed for funding for the rest of all of our elementary schools and then are looking at a three-year plan where they'll support middle school through the training next year and then high school. And our teachers are saying it's not only great for kids, but it's great for them. Win-win. Do you have words of wisdom to offer other districts who may want to work on a collaboration such as yours? I think for other districts, as I think with this, the the I would just encourage them to reach out to their community because there are so many people who are willing to help and we can't do it alone. And I think sometimes there's a resistance to know we've just got to kind of tackle this inside. Inside, we do need to have systems for our kids and things put together, but a whole lot of time that they aren't in school where they have supports. And the other thing that I think has been really interesting is just the willingness of our private and, and family organizations to come in and say to us, okay, we realize and understand that there's some data privacy, there's other issues about how we work together, but they've been really willing to work with us on that to give those supports. And I've just been so amazed at their ability to come in and kind of set their bias and their their barriers and things that they think don't work to come together and say, all right, how might we do this differently for our kids? So, What would their first step be if you wanted to do something? 
You know, I think the thing that we found helpful is just to reach out to the people in our community who we knew were also engaged in some of this work. So we had a few providers. In fact, one of the providers, she's a, she's a psychologist and therapist. She came forward because she offered to do suicide prevention training for our staff for free. Once she offered that and said she would do it in person, then Washington County said, well, we can help because we actually have a grant where we can do 350 online trainings for free for suicide prevention. So they offered it to all of our staff and all of our coaches. And that's one of the things that you need is recertification now as a, an educator so that you know, our educators are like, great, we can do this. We can either come face-to-face in person or we can take it online. That's just an example of how a private provider and then Washington County and the school district work together. So I would just say, reach out to those leaders within your community already who might be working on it and say, are there efficiencies? And sometimes there are places where we just can't work together on a certain thing, and then that's that's something that we leave each agency to do on their own. They all have things that they do really well. But there is this place coming together, and I think it's mostly centers on communication and resources that will be helpful for most people to have a clear understanding. Because Denise and I talked about many things relating to the collaborative process of designing mental health supports in that area, I wanted to provide a short summary of our interview to synthesize some of the key points about the process involved, the guiding purpose, and the outcomes. So here goes. Stillwater Public Schools, like many other districts, is working hard to assemble an array of services to provide support and help for their students, particularly around the needs for mental health supports. Their process is of interest to many because of the collaborative nature of what they have done. Many agencies were brought together, including mental health services, the hospital, law enforcement, Washington County, other school districts in the area, Hazelden, local resources, individual members of the community with specialized helpful expertise, and the Stillwater Area Public Schools. Their process involved many steps. One, inviting many varied voices to be in a room and share their stories, hear the concerns of others in the community, bring germane information forward that each possessed to the awareness of the larger group, conduct a needs assessment of what each person and agency saw as problems, and then, as a group, decide priorities that needed to be addressed and how to do that. Two, their overriding principle was to design a community-based, systematic, sustainable, multifaceted approach that was geared to the whole child and yet was able to provide supports for parents as well. What they designed had three components. One, it addressed physical safety, including ensuring that physical plants were as safe as could be, including establish a culture where students felt safe emotionally as well as physically. Two, supporting mental health needs of students, families, and staff. Three, being trained in and prepared for specific incidents that may demand the involvement of crisis intervention. The committee came up with six priorities, but there were so many supports that Denise mentioned, it was hard to distinguish the six because she had so many wonderful topics to talk about. But here are some. Peer-to-peer counseling, the middle school mental health partnership with North St. Paul, Maplewood, Oakdale, and Youth Services Bureau, 
the home communication process that helps parents with what questions to ask their child about specific topics addressed at school, tabletop exercises about crisis interventions, a wellness center at the high school, and I know there are many others that you have heard in the podcast. It was very exciting to listen to the work that Stillwater North St. Paul South Washington communities have done, thanks to all of the people involved in this collaborative effort. I usually end with a quote from my favorite philosopher, Dr. Seuss, but Denise Puntrelli, superintendent, has words that speak to us. She and I talked about how the purpose of these podcasts is to get the good news out about what public education in Minnesota really is. Her words emphasize that statement. You know, I, I just want public education to be the best choice for our kids. And there, you know, when I look at some of the colleagues that I have in other districts and the work they're doing, it's amazing work. So sharing that kind of bright light, I think, is really important because there's lots of choices out there. But um, I still think ours is the best. This morning I went out. I was at Lily Lake, one of our elementary schools, and it was a special education bus that was unloading. And a little guy was at the top of the stairs, and he was looking, and he was like, okay, I'm not sure I'm going to be getting off this bus. And I'm like, come on, little guy, let's go. And he's coming down the steps. He comes down, and he looks up, and he sees his teacher. She had just come out. He put his arms up, and he's like, yes! (laughs) And his paraprofessional and another support were there, and they hugged him, and he just, you know, off they went, and he was ready. And it just, when I think of that, that kind of gives me the shivers about, you know, that's what public education is about. It doesn't matter your limitations or what your strengths are. Is You know, we have really dedicated teachers who want to help kids have a great experience. And that's the kind of message we need to get on. This is Jane Sigford signing off. My email address is jlsigford at comcast.net. Thanks for listening.